Well, um, I would never would have guessed that we would be at the drive-in. Uh, like, think about a month ago. We never would have guessed we'd be doing church at the drive-in here in Tiffin, but here we are, and, uh, and it's weird, but, uh, but we're doing it. Uh, last week, I was talking to um, three cameras that had blinking dots, red dots, and now this week, I'm talking to a bunch of cars just sitting there like, like a Walmart parking lot, but uh, it'll be all right. Yeah, there you go. All right, I heard you. Um, hey, it's a crazy time, right? I mean, we live in a crazy time. This is stuff that um, our nation, not like this, has ever had to deal with uh, before. And if you uh, ever get on Facebook or Instagram or um, watch the news or read the paper or uh, anything like that, you've noticed that uh, people are dealing with fear, right? Have you noticed that? Okay. A lot of us even uh, we're dealing with fear. It's almost like we have our like normal things that we're dealing with, the normal things that we're we're afraid of in our everyday life, and then this just multiplies it, right? It's like we have all, and now we have this COVID nineteen stuff, and and it's just you know it messes up our plans, and and we got all this stuff going on that that's just kind of extra or added to our normal everyday fears. And, uh, and God tells us not to worry. And if you tuned in last week online, uh, we talked about that. Um, but this morning, we're going to wrap up this series called Not Afraid. And uh, we're going to look at what we should fear. All right, or maybe I should better state that. Maybe I should say we're going to look at who we should fear, and that is God. Now, none of us, or most of us, let's say this, most of us, we don't associate fear and God together, Right? Not very often. I mean, we don't, you know, that's not how we view God. God's the old, super old man who's, you know, sitting on his throne up in heaven. He's got, you know, white hair and a big beard. And he kind of <laughs> chuckles when we do something wrong. Like, that's the God that we, that we view, um, that we, you know, view ourselves worshiping, uh, kind of like a grandpa figure. And it's almost like if we, you know, talking about fear and God and how that all works together, we think, you know, it's like we assume that a God who should be feared is a God who's like guilty of something, right? Or a God who has some sort of fault to him. It's almost like the fear of God, some leftover relic from some, you know, oppressive or archaic or old school view of religion, um, something that's like way outdated. And when we think of Jesus, we don't really think of Jesus as somebody we need to fear Right, or be afraid of in any way. We think of Jesus as being meek and weak. And someone, you know, he's always the one, he's the one who's like hugging the children and for some reason knows always petting lambs. And, you know, he's the one who stares off into the sunset and his, his, the wind's gently blowing his long, you know, hair. <laughs> someone who's super tenderhearted. Right? And some of those things Jesus is. I mean, I mean, he is kind and he is loving and he is tenderhearted. Uh, but he also has power and he's got strength and he's perfectly just, which, by the way, should scare us a little bit because all of us are, are you know, all of us have issues. We've all done things um, wrong. We've, you know, we've all sinned. We've all messed up, you know, so many times. And, uh, and we know that, you know, we have done the exact opposite of what God has told us to do. And so the sense of justice at least should give us a sense of fear towards him. Um, but a lot of us, we don't. In fact, I'd argue that uh, we can't have a strong relationship with God unless we have a certain amount of fear of him. 
Okay, I don't think we can do it. Jesus, he actually taught about this one time in Matthew chapter 10. Um, and what happens is one day, Jesus, he gets his disciples together, his 12 disciples. He, he gathers them. I don't know if they're sitting in a circle or whatever. Um, and, uh, and he basically says, he says, okay, guys, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we have been, you know, we've been doing ministry together, and it's been great. We've been going from town to town to town. But now we're actually going to split up. We're going to split up into pairs of two. And you guys are going to go out and go to all these villages, and I want you to tell them about me. All right? And then, and so the disciples, you know, they're like, all right, okay, that sounds good. Switch it up for a little bit. That's always some good change. And, and then he says, and then you guys are going to be like sheep among wolves. All right, and you know, the disciples are like, okay, so like where are the wolves, the sheep? Like no one wants to be a sheep. You know what I'm talking about. You don't want to be the wolf, right? And he's like, no, 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 no. You're the sheep. They're the wolves. And then he starts telling them about some things that they're going to be going through. He's like, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to be hated, you're going to be betrayed, you're going to get beaten, you're going to get flogged, and some of you are even going to be killed for me. And then he says, but don't be afraid. Now think about, you know, is it, think if you were one of the disciples, right? You're, sit, you're sitting there and you're like, wait, what? Wait, go, go, go back just, just a little bit. You're saying don't be afraid and all this stuff's going to be happening to us? And then in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives them this specific teaching. And he's talking to the 12. And this is what he says. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. He says, don't fear. All right? He says, don't fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So, you know, so the disciples, they're going, all right, so... You know, we're not supposed to have any fear, but we're supposed to have some fear. All right, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, and, and I think at this point, you know, because I think Jesus, he knew what he was, you know, he knew that what he was saying was kind of confusing. It was the opposite of what normally what people would say. And I think at this point, Jesus grinned, you know, he looks at them, kind of smiles. So I was like, what? You know, you got to go a little slower. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to, to be afraid, but we're not supposed to be afraid? Like, what exactly do you mean? And Jesus, he, he gives them an illustration to explain his point in verse 29, Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. He says this. He says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Now, if you were online last week, uh, you, we talked about a, a passage that is very similar to this, where Jesus is saying, hey, you're worth more than birds. All right, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know, maybe he talked about birds a lot, you know. Um, maybe he, he really liked birds, or actually maybe he didn't like birds because he's always saying that we're worth so much more than birds. Uh, but back then, sparrows, they're not worth much. Okay, and that's, that's his point. They're not worth much, and a bird isn't worth much, but God knows, he's saying, God knows each time one dies. Now, when, it's, when he's saying this, it's not like, hey, well, you know, God's God, so of course he knows. Like, he knows everything. It's not like he has this useless knowledge. No, what Jesus is trying to say is he's saying, hey, God cares. Like, he cares to know. Like he chooses to know, so he knows. He wants to know, 
and so he knows. And then, in contrast, even us. He knows about us. This is where Jesus is going. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. And it's not just this useless knowledge. It's that he, he cares. Right, just think about that for a second. Right, This God of the universe who created billions of galaxies, science tells us, and there's billions of stars in each galaxy, like super powerful, and he did it just by saying words. Like he just, he, he just said it and it was there, like it existed. That God wants to know you. You ever think about that? Like does that ever like occur to you? That God wants to know you. And it's, again, it's not like, well, someday he hopes that, uh, that, you know, that you guys will have a good relationship or someday he wants to get to know you. That's not what he's saying. No, that God wants to know you deep down inside part of him. He wants to know you, and so he does. And he knows you better than you know yourself. He talks about the hairs on the head. He's like, he knows how many, he knows the exact number of hairs you have on your head now. For some of you, that might not be very difficult, and you might not be impressed by that, right? But for most of us, <laughs> for most of us, man, that's, that's pretty impressive. See, we shouldn't be afraid of things, because in God's eyes, we, are, we, are, we have worth to Him. Now, last week I mentioned that, um, that worth and the value that we have to God, it's not something that God just says, or it's not something that we just pop out and we're like, hey, look at me. Look what I can do. Look how talented I am. Look, I'm really, really good at this. It's not the situation. God assigns us our worth. God assigns us our value. You know, we don't, we don't come up with that on our own. It's God who says that we have worth and it's God who says that we have value. And he's saying we are worth a lot to him. So the disciples, they hear this, and I'm sure they're still kind of confused, right? I mean, like, like maybe we all are at this right now in our cars. Where he's, so it's like, so we aren't supposed to be afraid. Is that what you're saying, Jesus? Like there's nothing to be afraid of. You're going to keep bad things from happening. And then maybe they're thinking, they're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Those sparrows did fall to the ground, right? Like that's what you said. God watched them, and he, he consented that they would fall to the ground. Boom, dead. And then back up a little bit further, you're saying all these things are going to happen to us. You're saying that we're going to get flogged and we're going to be, get beaten. I'm not looking forward to that. We're going to get arrested. We're going to get betrayed. People are going to be hating us. They're going to persecute us. You said some of us were going to die. And then you're telling us not to be afraid? And I'm sure they're standing there or sitting there or whatever going, we're not really sure what to do. I'm a little confused on what you're trying to say. And I think while Jesus is explaining this, two chapters earlier, we see in the book of Matthew that Jesus had actually experienced, or that the disciples had actually experienced this. Right? See, Jesus, he's talking about two different types of fear. He's saying, hey, all those things that can hurt you physically, don't be afraid of those. 
all those situations in your life that, that you don't like, that, that aren't, aren't comfortable, you're worried about this, you, you fear this. He's like, don't be worried about that, but, but you should be fearful of me. And we see this in an event that took place two chapters earlier in Matthew chapter 8. It's a famous story. You've, if you've been to church for any amount of time, you've probably heard this uh, before. But Jesus, he's surrounded by a crowd, and he's, um, and he's been teaching again when Jesus was out doing his public ministry. Everybody wanted to see what this Jesus guy was going to do, and they wanted to hear what this Jesus guy was going to say. All right, so crowds would form around him, and, and Jesus, he's teaching the crowds, and then at one point, he dismisses the crowd, and he actually jumps into a boat, and his disciples follow, and their plan is they're going to they're gonna sail across the, the Sea of Galilee, they're going to go to the other side of, of the lake. Now, the Sea of Galilee is just a huge lake in northern Israel, um, bigger than your, like, average lake, like, think of Lake Erie, it's not that big, but, uh, but it's, it's big, Okay. And so they're going to go to the other side of the lake. In Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 23, again, a lot of you have heard this before. This is what he says. He says, as he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. Suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. Now stop for a second, okay? Can you picture this in your minds? Like, can you picture the scene, what's going on here? All right, you got... You got Jesus and the disciples, they're in this boat, they're, they're on this, you know, they're in the, the Sea of Galilee, is a huge lake, and then there's this huge storm that just pops up like out of nowhere, and tiny boat. Not the best case scenario for anybody, you know what I mean? It, like, not, uh, you know, not necessarily a good situation. And, uh, and Matthew, who's recording this for us, is actually in that boat, Right? And he's saying, yeah, the waves were coming over the sides of the boat, and the boat, you know, the boat starts filling up with water. And as the boat starts filling up with water, the boat starts sitting lower and lower and lower into the water. And so they start freaking out. But where's Jesus in all of this? In verse 24, it says, but Jesus kept sleeping. Now, part of me finds this really funny, right? Because I think Jesus totally um, set this storm thing up on purpose to teach them a lesson. It's not like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a lesson, right? It's more like, uh, you know, I'm going to use this situation so you guys can learn this in a real way, right? And so part of me wants to believe that maybe Jesus is, uh, you know, he's doing the thing that we've all done where it's like we're, we're asleep, but we're not actually asleep. Like we're faking people out. Like your kids run into the room and it's like, shh, dad's asleep. But you're actually not asleep. You're just acting like you're asleep, but you're listening to what they have to say. You guys do that sometimes, once in a while? Nobody does that. Okay, all right. I can't, I can't see your faces anyway. Somebody way in the back. All right, there you go. Man, you guys, hopefully, okay, okay, okay. Hopefully you're not doing that. Um, hopefully not doing that right now. But uh, no, that actually, that would mean that you're listening, so maybe that's good. But, uh, but yeah, part of me wants to believe maybe that's what Jesus is doing. It doesn't really matter. Um, but maybe Jesus is faking Matthew out. Okay, and the rest of the disciples, because he's listening to what they have to say, seeing if they're uh, reacting the way that they should, and they don't. Um, so it says, so the disciples, they came, in verse 25, so the disciples came and they woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we are going to die. And then he said to them, why are you afraid, you of little faith? And the disciples, they're just like, uh, Jesus, look around, like, Big lake, 
huge storm, little boat. We're getting tossed. Look at all this water that's in here. There's water coming all over. We are going to drown. This is not good. We are in danger. In fact, in the book of Mark, Mark records the same story for us in Mark chapter 4 in a verse. Well, Mark chapter 4, I don't remember what verse. But um, Mark chapter 4, he says um, that the disciples come and they ask the question when they come up to Jesus and wake him up. They say, we are going to die. Do you even care? Do you even care? How many of you have thought that before? Think about it. How many of you, maybe it's not even like you think that. Maybe, how many of you have felt that before? <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, where your life is rough, things aren't going well, you got some situation, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, maybe it's what we're going through right now. You got some situation that, you know, some health problem maybe. maybe. I mean, do you ever feel like God doesn't care? Or that, ever feel like he's asleep? Where it's like, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and it's like he's not answering me. And I think a lot of times he is answering us. It's just not the way that we want him to. And so we ignore it. But sometimes we just feel like, I don't know, what's he doing? Is he asleep up there? Some of us, when God doesn't answer us the way that we want him to, some of us, we even question his existence. I don't even know if he exists. You know, sometimes we all have felt this before, where it's just like, is he asleep? Or maybe what the disciples were, were, were thinking, does he even care? What's the deal? You know, maybe it's right now, and you come to church, and, and you hear the pastor up here on this stage, and he's like, don't be afraid. Right, or you, you were watching online last week and then you heard, don't worry, don't have anxiety about things. And it's just like, yeah, easier said than done. <laughs> it's hard just to switch it off. I got this going on, I got this going on, this is happening. My loved one's dealing with this. You know, I feel like maybe that's how the disciples were feeling at this point. Remember, these guys are professional fishermen, right? Or most of them. Like, these guys grew up on the boat. Actually, this boat might even be one of theirs. Uh, they're, it's like a family business thing where they're, they, you know, their dads, they, you know, they were fishermen. And so a lot of them, like, this, they knew this lake super well. And these guys, I'm sure, are trying to do everything in their power to get to the other side of this lake carefully they don't want to wake Jesus up because it's been a long day and he's been teaching the crowds all day and it's, and it's been crazy. It's been a very long week. But then it gets so bad and so much water comes over the side of the boat that they go to him and they wake him up and they're like, Jesus, what is going on? How can you be sleeping? Do you even care? And this is what Jesus did. It says, then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And verse 27 says, then the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. So Jesus, first he says, hey, why are you afraid? You of little faith. And then he stands up, and he stands on the edge of the boat, and Jesus just says, stop it. And the wind obeys. Like the storm runs away. 
the, the lake, the water isn't chopping, you know, it's not, there's no waves anymore, it's flat. And did you notice the disciples' reaction here? He says they were amazed. And then they start asking themselves, they're like, who is this guy? Did you just see, did, you, did that just happen? Who the heck are we on this boat with? Hey, the, the waves obeyed him. I've never seen that before. I've been on this lake all my life. Right? The, the wind obeys him. Actually, in Mark, in Mark chapter 4, verse 40, 41, it, he records, again, he's recording this story, and he records a different aspect of it. He says, they weren't just amazed. He says, the disciples were terrified. Absolutely terrified. Because when they saw what Jesus could do. See, at first they were afraid of drowning, and then they were really, really afraid of Jesus. Right? They were afraid for their lives. They thought, yeah, we're going to die. And then when they saw what Jesus could do, or just a glimpse of what he could do, they were really, really, really afraid of the person that they were sharing the boat with. And so for me, as I'm reading through the story and jump back to Matthew chapter 10, and Jesus, he's gathering his disciples. He's saying, hey, you're going to be sheep among wolves. All this stuff's going to happen to you, but don't be afraid. I think part of them, and Jesus is also telling them, hey, you need to be afraid of me, not them. I think part of them, they're looking back, they're like, oh yeah, remember when that happened a couple months ago? Remember that boat thing? Where there's that big storm and he just said, stop it, and they stopped. That was scary. It was scary before, and then it was really scary after he did that. And I think maybe they're, tr they're starting to connect the dots. It's funny because your parents said, hey, don't be afraid, there's nothing to be afraid of growing up. Jesus, he's saying, hey, don't be afraid. There's something to be afraid of. See, we actually see this throughout the Bible. When somebody catches a glimpse of God's power, just a, just a tiny little glimpse of it, their natural reaction and the right reaction is fear. One of my favorite uh, sections of the Bible is actually Revelation chapter 1. It's the last book of the Bible. The guy who writes this is John. Uh, John, at this point when he writes this, is super, super old. He's been exiled by the Roman government. He's on an island, and, uh, and he has this, um, this ex experience or this event takes place where, uh, where he gets kind of taken up into heaven, and he writes the book of Revelation. But, um, but John, he was one of the guys who was in that boat. Right, he's one of these, these guys that Jesus is talking to as he's got him circled up saying, hey, you're going to be sheep among wolves. You know, you don't fear them, fear me. He's one of these guys who's one of Jesus' right-hand right -hand men. And at this point, John is super, super old. He, he's probably close to dying. And he sees Jesus for the first time since Jesus, since he watched Jesus ascend to heaven, which was many, many decades before. Now, keep in mind, Jesus and John, they're great friends. Again, he was one of the top, uh, he was one of his 12 disciples. But even among that, he was one of Jesus' top three guys. John, when he writes the Gospel of John, which was his account of what happened when Jesus was here, um, John, um, he refers to himself as the one who Jesus loved rather confidently. Okay? That had to take some boldness. Uh, but that's how he just, he was basically he's saying, hey, you know, James, uh, Peter, Matthew, all those guys, like, yeah, Jesus liked them, but I'm the one who Jesus really liked. I'm John. And he describes 
uh, his first um, encounter with Jesus after his ascension. I mean, actually, we see how close they were. Remember the Last Supper? Remember that story? And John leans his head back onto Jesus' chest as they're eating at the table. All right, now I got some guy friends, and I got some close, let's say, close relationships with some guy friends, but we don't do that, right? Like, like we're not that close. Jesus and John were super good friends. And so John here, he records the next time that they see each other after the ascension, and, um, and, and if that were you, like if you're in John's shoes, I mean, you would expect maybe, let's say, seeing a good friend that you hadn't seen in decades, maybe your best friend, you know, how would you react? Well, you'd be excited. You'd be like, hey, how you been? You go give him a hug. Maybe not during this coronavirus thing because you get in trouble for that. But, or, you know, a, a handshake, high five. You know, be like, hey, you know, what's been going on? You want to know about their life and you want to talk to them and you would be excited. And check out, this is how John describes how he sees Jesus for the first time. Decades later, after Jesus died and, and rose again, this is what happens. He says, then I turned to see whose voice it was. This is Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. It says, then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. Now he's talking about Jesus here. He says, dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest, the hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. He had seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was shining like the sun at full strength. Now, can you picture that? All right, if you've been like tuning out, and you've been on your phone, you're doing your thing, that's cool, but like focus in on these last few minutes. Can you picture this? Like this is your God. You get that, right? All right, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is how Jesus looks right now, sitting on his throne up in heaven. John describes it. He says he was clothed in a robe. He had this golden sash across his chest. His hair was white as wool. And then he says, like snow. What he's trying to do is he's trying to find the words to describe. He's got a limited amount of words to describe the, God's glory. And he's like the whitest thing you've ever seen. He's like, his, his eyes were flames of fire and his feet, like his skin was burnished bronze, glowing red hot, almost like lava. And it says, when he talked, his voice was the sound of many waters, like a huge waterfall, like Niagara Falls. See, that's your God. And that's the one you should fear. And everything else melts away before him. John, he says that his face was like the sun shining in his strength. Again, he's looking, he's like trying to describe later. He's like, okay, okay, his face was super bright. I've never seen anything bright like that. Like, what's the brightest thing I could come up with? The sun, okay, the sun's the brightest thing. His, his face is like the sun in his strength. Not like today. I don't even know where the sun is today. But, uh, but he's like, this, his face is the brightest thing I've ever seen in my life. We know from other passages of Scripture that <clears throat> there are constantly angels singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Constantly around Him, singing Him, praising Him, worshiping Him. That's the scene in heaven. That's the scene that those of us who have a true relationship with God that we will be a part of someday. 
which is awesome. And this is the scene that John sees just for a moment. And this is John's reaction in, in verse 17. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. See, he saw a glimpse of Jesus' power, and he thought he was going to die. See, I think, we've all, I think we've lost the concept of that type of fear in our culture. I don't think it's a part of it. Right? I don't think that's not how we view God. We view God as our pal or our best friend. Someone that we can, you know, we can offend, but it's not that big of a deal. He tells us what to do, but we don't have to obey all the time. See, there is a good type of fear out there, and that's the type of fear that Jesus expected us to have. I mean, if you think about what we do, like, on a regular basis, how do we live our lives? Well, we fear all these little things in our life, which God tells us not to fear. And then we don't fear God, who God tells us to fear. It's like the way we live our life is the exact opposite way of what Jesus is teaching us and how Jesus taught his disciples here. See, we view Jesus as meek, again, weak, snuggling with little lambs, long flowing hair, wearing like a dress thing, soft-spoken, very feminine. But if Jesus were to show up here like on stage, like, if you were just to show up right here, this very moment, I mean, we would all fall on our faces thinking that we were going to die. We would be terrified like the disciples were in that boat. We would be terrified like John was when he got a glimpse of it. See, I feel like part of the reason why we are all, and I'm, I'm included in this, why we're all so sluggish in obeying him while we're all so sluggish in reading our Bible and praying, and ah, we care about our relationship with God, but ah, it's just not one of our top things that we care about. Why do we do that? Why are we so sluggish in that way? Well, because we have no fear. And that's a big problem. See, we are to be afraid of God and to be afraid of what he should or could rightly do to us And we should be looking at situations or circumstances around us that, that are so much less. And we shouldn't be afraid of those. Really, because we know that there's something much bigger to be afraid of. Now, does that mean that we should not care? Like, does that mean that we just do whatever? No. <laughs> See, you could care and not fear it. We get that? All right. Like, there's a difference. Some people, they, they put those things together. Well, then you just don't care. No, that's not what Jesus is saying, all right? You can care, but also not fear. You can care about your finances, but that doesn't mean you need to be afraid or fear about what happens, you know, when you don't have money. You care about your job, but that doesn't mean you fear it. You can care about the virus. That doesn't mean you fear it. You can care about whatever health problem you might be going through or maybe a loved one's going through, but that doesn't mean you have all this fear built up inside that you worry about it. See, there's a difference, and it changes the way that we live. I lost my job. Well, I'll be all right. Or I got sick, or well, God's in control. 
What thing do you fear most? Like, what thing do you fear the most? Or what are your top three things? Like, think about that for a second. Losing a child. Losing another child. Financial issue. Losing your marriage. Maybe it's health, maybe it's your health problem, or maybe it's somebody else's health problem. Maybe it's your drug addiction, or maybe it's somebody else's drug addiction. Maybe it's your child's drug addiction. You don't know what things will be like for them tomorrow. What is it? Jesus is telling you to fear not. Jesus is telling you, you aren't to be afraid of those things or of losing those things. You are not to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. See, God is the only thing worthy enough of our fear. You get that? God is the only thing worthy enough of our fear. Let's pray. God, we ask that uh, you remove these fears in our life. God, some of us, we're so bogged down in fear and worried about this and worried about that. We got all this stuff going on in our life that it just distracts us and it really takes us away from what's really important in life. But God, we ask that you'd help us remove those fears from our life that we can care, but not to fear, not to fear it or be afraid of it. And then God, we ask that you'd give us the sense of fear that we need of you. God, we should fear you. We should fear your power and your strength and your ability that we'd never even be able to understand. Your sense of justice, all these things that are so good about you because we are not good. Lord, we should fear that and we ask that we would and we'd grow in our relationship with you. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.